Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Leah. I am a volunteer with Swing Left Nebraska and your host for today's episode. This Wednesday, January 4th, marked the beginning of Nebraska's 108th legislative session. And we have plenty of developments to update you on. When the session began, the first order of business was to establish the committee structure for the session. The chairs of the various committees were elected and committee assignments were distributed to multiple legislators. The Rules Committee met last Thursday, January 12th. It opened up its meeting to the public to discuss dozens of rule changes, ranging from striking the opening prayer before the session, allowing pets at the Capitol, to eliminating party affiliations. On Tuesday, January 17th, the rules debate will begin. Many bills were introduced last week. For those of you who aren't quite sure what a bill is, it's basically a proposed law that has to go through a few steps before it's passed. Already, we can see that the stakes are super high and many important issues are on the table, including access to abortion, addressing dark money, and a bill that would allow the current two-year waiting period for those who have completed a felony sentence to be eligible to vote are just a few examples of the bills being introduced. There are many more bills expected to be introduced up until January 18th, which is the last and final day to introduce bills. I am super excited to have Angie Phillips, founder of the Nebraska Legislative Study Group, with us again today. We are joining forces for our series titled Unpacking the Unicaramel, your go-to source for all things legislation. Angie does an incredible job of helping people understand the inner workings of the unicaramel. So she'll be joining us weekly to help us break down bills being introduced and discuss actionable ideas that we can do to get involved and make our voices heard so that we can make change happen in Nebraska. So let's do a show. Angie, thank you so much for coming back to the pod. We are excited to have you as a guest to help us unpack everything unicameral. So let's begin with the Committee on Committee. Tell us where things are at with that. Yeah, so the Committee on Committee is the committee points which senators are going to go on to which committees, be it the Judiciary Committee, Education Committee, Appropriations Committee, there's 14 standing committees. And so there was a lot of hot debate around that at the beginning of the legislative session. A lot of your more progressive and democratic senators stood up on the floor and talked about concerns they had with the transparency of that and whether or not procedure and precedent was followed. There were concerns about some of the ways that the committees played out. For example, one of the concerns that got brought up quite a bit and I share those concerns, is Senator Jen Day was on the Education Committee previously. Senator Walsh had been the Education Committee chair, which we saw on the first day of the legislature when they elected chairs, that Senator Walsh lost that seat. So while she remains on the committee, she is no longer the committee chair. That would be Senator Merman now. 
But Senator Jen Day was on the committee last year, and usually precedent says that you don't take people off of committees. And the rules actually say that you can't take somebody off a committee without permission. One of the things that was pointed out by Senator Hunt, Senator Day, several senators was that Senator Jen Day had been removed from the Education Committee. And now the Republicans on the Committee on Committees say that the reasoning for that was because Senator Justin Wayne, who was placed on the committee, had seniority over Senator Day, which is true when you're looking at seniority and how long they've been there. But Senator Day was on the committee last session. So there seems to be some debate as to whether or not seniority takes priority or having seniority on that committee takes priority. So lots of things about that, lots of debate before they finally did approve the committee on committee reports. So now the committee on committee report finally has been approved. And what that means is that they can start taking the legislation that's been getting introduced over the past 10 days and assigning it to committees. Yeah, I I did get a chance to catch that debate. And it seemed, at least from my end, that there was a feeling of lack of transparency and some things that were happening behind closed doors that not all the committee members who should have that information for not getting it. Yeah. On top of Senator Conrad, Senator Hunt, they all pointed towards just lots of partisanship and extreme, kind of extreme partisanship and acting not in good spirits with the nonpartisanship of the legislature. Lots of kind of chaos and confusion. There was even chaos and confusion around setting the rules debate. At one point in time, they had the rules debate set before they even had the committee on committee report. And so that kind of had me side-eyeing a little bit. I'm like, how are we setting a hearing in front of a committee that doesn't exist? But they did get the committee on committee report done and then ended up moving the rules committee hearing out a day or whatever. But the whole thing has just been very chaotic. Definitely The left wing, the progressives, the Democrats there, there are definitely lots of complaints about extreme partisanship being even Senator Blood, who we know works really hard to in that nonpartisan nature. Even she has talked a lot about how they've been strong armed. And I believe it was Senator Hunt who talked about the major party just kind of shing and bullying their way through. It's a concerning way. It's a concerning way to start out the session. Yeah, definitely. So where are things now with the Rules Committee? So they did schedule the Rules Committee and they held the public hearing for that yesterday. So what the Rules Committee heard right now is when the legislature initially starts, they adopt in temporary rules from the previous session. So they just say, hey, they take a vote and agree to go with the rules that they had last year so that they can get leadership elected, get that structural stuff done. Then they will have a rules debate and they will actually vote on whatever new proposed rules are implemented and then they'll have a new set of rules to go forward the session with. Those debates have been set to begin January 17th. Uh, The speaker, which is Speaker Arch, has set those for January 17th. And the Rules Committee had a public hearing yesterday to go over, I think it ended up being like 57 new rule proposals. 
They started out at 1.30 yesterday afternoon, and I think we got out of there about, I want to say 10.30. I saw it. I saw it. It was long. And you spoke on a couple. Can you tell the audience on which ones you spoke about and why? Sure. I did speak on several. A couple of them I spoke just at a personal level, and then a couple of them I spoke on behalf of the Nebraska Legislative Study Group. The ones I spoke on personally was the rule proposal introduced by Senator Hunt to strike the opening prayer. What that means is that currently the prayer is on the agenda. It's almost always a heavy Christian prayer. If you want to understand people's concerns about the extreme evangelical kind of turn it has taken, then you can actually go back and listen to like last, I think it was last Thursdays or maybe Fridays. I can't remember a prayer, but it was pretty extreme. And so Senator Hunt moved to just strike that. They want to go pray ahead of time, whatever. Once they're on the floor and they're ready to start business, start business and not have the clerk be organizing that. So I testified, I'm an atheist and I definitely believe in the separation of church and state. So I testified in support of that. And then the other one I testified on was Senator Michaela Cavanaugh introduced a rule proposal that only security and law enforcement would be allowed to have firearms in the Capitol building. Last session, they had a day where there was some really heavy gun legislation that was going through. It was gun legislation along with gun legislation that had to do with domestic violence stuff. And I believe there was like a abortion bill or a reproductive rights bill that day too. And there were just a whole lot of guns at the Capitol that day. Senator Michaela Kavanaugh testified to, you know, feeling threatened and like she couldn't do her job. Lots of senators had mentioned that they didn't feel comfortable. A couple of the senators, I believe that day, had to be like walked back and forth to their offices for security. It was just chaos. Senator Kavanaugh proposed that only security and law enforcement have it on the Capitol. So I testified on that one. And then for the study group, I'll try to remember all of them. There were several, but some of the bigger ones, because we try to focus on ensuring that the second house has access. So there was Senator Jende had introduced a proposal that would help provide accessibility to folks with disabilities. So, of course, we were in favor of that. Senator Erdman, (laughs) believe it or not, had one that we went in and testified in support of, and that was to have the legislature start record the legislature and putting it on file that work that that we do for free they could fund that and pay for it and then they had an equity impact statement senator conrad introduced and that basically i think senator vargas tried last session i believe it's just so that a racial equity tax statement would be included with all legislation just a statement from the legislative research department that says this is how it will impact different communities and races. That's awesome. So you said January 17th is when all of those rules will be debated? Yep, that's when they'll start debates on those rules. So the public hearing is over, but the debates haven't happened and the vote hasn't happened. So it's still a really good time to look through those rules and see if there's any that you support or are against and make sure they hit up the senator and your senator and the rules committee and really any senator at this point, because it's going to go to the floor and they're all going to talk about them and they're all going to take a vote. We're encouraging folks to continue to push for those things and send emails to your senator and other senators and let them know which of those you're supporting. You can go to our website at www.nelegislativestudygroup.com. We have a call to action up 
that, that links to a Google document that you can see an easier version than what you're going to see on the Nebraska legislator website, an easier version to be able to read through and see what the changes are. And then we also have shown you the ones that we're supporting and the ones that we would be in opposition to. How do people look up their senator? How would people know who they should contact? Yeah, you will find all those links in our call to action and on our webpage. You can also, as far as to find your senator, you can literally just go to Google and type in Find My Senator Nebraska, and that's going to take you over to a page on the Nebraska legislature where you can type in your address, and then that will let you know who your state senator is. What is the value of sending an email and what are some of the things you should include when you email your senator on these proposed rule changes? We always suggest that it's a good idea to let your whoever you're emailing, whichever senator you're emailing, let them know who your senator is or which legislative district you're in or give them your address. Sometimes it just helps when they know for sure. When you testify to the fact that you're a Nebraskan and you're a constituent. So you you definitely want to include that. And then you want to say which rule or rules you would be in support or opposition of. You can just leave it at that and say, hey, I support racial equity statements. Please vote for them. Or you can say that and then include a big, long list of reasons why, you know, either one is acceptable. The most important thing is to reach out to your senator, let them know you're paying attention and let them know what it is that you're expecting out of them this session. And from my understanding, they actually tally emails that they get from their constituents and they're able to bring that to the table and say, I got X amount of support. I got X amount of against from my constituents. Is that one of the reasons it's important to do it? Yep, for sure. And also for that reason, when you are emailing about the rules or a bill or something like that, we always also recommend that you put the introducing senator in because the introducing senator is always going to be interested, especially if it's something you support. If you're supporting it, the introduced legislation, that introducer is definitely going to be tallying up that support. And if there's a piece of legislation that you don't support and you're opposing it, then if there's a senator that's taking a lead on that opposition, it's a good idea to go ahead and CC them into that opposition, too. Is that the same if you prefer to make a phone call? Would you call the senator who's introducing the rule change or would you call your senator? You would definitely call your senator. I always think it's good, too, to call senators and let them know that you're supporting their legislation, especially this year, especially our progressive senators, Senator Hunt, Senator Conrad, Senator Michaela Kavanaugh, these women, they're going to get worn down with a lot of the fighting that they have to do. So if you support their legislation or you support the work that they're doing, I always think it's a great idea to give them a call and send them that encouragement. Plus, the more calls we can make to our senators, the more relationship building we can do. That's great, because then when there's really important legislation that you have a real passion on, then you have that relational development with them that you can hopefully get them to listen and communicate a little bit better than if you're just strangers talking. When you're making that call, it's the same rules that you had described when making the email. You just say your name, your address. Yeah. When you call, you're going to get the staff. You'll get their legislative staff, and those folks are almost always polite. You don't have to worry about anything. And yeah, just say, hi, my name is Angie Phillips. I live in legislative district, whatever the number is. And I was just calling to let Senator know I'm supporting their legislation on whatever and leave them that message. 
if you do want a call back from the senator or you're hoping to talk to him, then you can specifically say that. If the senator has time, I'd appreciate a call back. And then that staffer will relay all of that information. One of the things I tell folks, because I know that we, a lot of people struggle with anxiety and things like that, especially when making these phone calls and stuff for the first time. I myself really, I still struggle with like public testimony and stuff like that with anxiety. So if you are feeling nervous, but you really want to do it, a good first step I recommend is calling after hours and just leaving a voicemail. That way you can have it like prepared and planned out. You can even write it down (laughs) if you want to and just read it off. And then that way you've been able to make that contact without necessarily the anxiety of the phone call. Yeah, it gets easier every call that you make. The more you do it, the better you get at it, the more comfortable you become. And it just becomes a lot more natural. Oh, yeah, for sure. And especially after you've called numerous times and (laughs) you are 90%, 95% of the time getting a friendly staff that is willing to help you or take the message or whatever, then yeah, it definitely helps easier and comfort. And if your comfort level ends at emails, thank you. Anything and everything makes a huge difference. And even writing an email can be a big deal. I got to tell you, the first time I wrote an email and got a response, I was just like, in civic engagement nerd heaven. Yeah, we definitely have senators that are not good at engaging with constituents. But I really feel like overall, Nebraskan senators do a really good job at trying to have those conversations with their constituents and with Nebraskans. Now, obviously, if you're sending them an email like, I don't agree with you on anything, you might not get anything back. Or you might have senators where maybe you're initially getting responses and then they just kind of that lady's never going to agree with me but overall I feel like most of our senators do want to try to talk with Nebraskans. We're very fortunate to have that opportunity in the state because I know not all states are like that. We're going to be doing this weekly. We're going to have a lot of different focuses coming up. So let's drill into a couple of the bills that stand out to you. First, let's start with some that are giving you some anxiety, some fear, and then let's end on a positive note and talk about some of the bills that are firing you up and giving you hope that we're going to get some stuff done this year. For sure. The one that I'm feeling really annoyed with right now, and I think it's because I just really wasn't Expecting it is yesterday, Senator Merman introduced LB 371, which is to prohibit an individual under 19 years of age or under 21 years of age from being present at a drag show. I struggle to even find the words that are allowed to be spoken on. I'm just, it's swear words, swear words, swear words. That's how I feel about this. Like, what a bigoted piece of shit. I can't, I just, wow. So so now the conservatives, right? The quote unquote conservative, the party of limited government, they want to tell me who can read a book to my kid? It's just pure bigotry. And it's so frustrating. So that's the one that's got me just so upset because I'm, the level of bigotry in that one is just, a lot. I, and then, of course, we're waiting on the abortion bill to drop. Albrecht had a press conference in the Capitol about the abortion bill that she was going to drop, but it has not actually gone through yet so that we can look at it and read it and see what it says. I believe that 
there has been some press that has reported that they were able to see it. They are calling it a heartbeat bill, and it looks like they're working to outlaw abortion after six weeks. Currently in Nebraska, it's 20. That obviously has me livid as well, but we knew it was coming, right? We, it's something that we've been expecting. To be honest, it concerns me a lot. For one thing, I don't know that enough people understand that the six weeks does not mean six weeks after you find out you're pregnant. <laughs> six weeks, a lot of people don't even know they're pregnant at six weeks, which for me, it doesn't matter because I'm, you can have an abortion up until you give birth. As far as I'm concerned, it's not my business. I trust women. I trust people to make their own decisions. There's already laws about killing actual babies. But yeah, so this is pretty extreme. So we definitely want to watch out for that. We want to start emailing our senators. As soon as the wording comes out, we'll be able to look at it a little bit more, but it's obviously going to be pretty bad. And then there's one that was introduced by Senator Breezy, it's LB15, and it's changed provisions of the Wage and Hour Act. So how we just voted in the minimum wage increase, uh, Senator Breezy has introduced legislation, basically makes it so you can pay like 14 to 16 year olds an even lesser amount. And then he's got some weird like training pay for young adults, just all kinds of ways to try to avoid the minimum wage. We expected that from a Republican, right? Yeah. Here's the tough thing for me here. Senator Raybould has signed on to that legislation. She has added her name to that. And on top of that, she has introduced LB 327, the change provisions relating to the minimum wage under the Wage and Hour Act. And what that does is basically adds one line in there that would give the option to pay a lesser, right now it would have to be the cost of living increase. He puts in a one and a half percentage in there and then adds the lesser of the value. So essentially what she's saying is if the cost of living is too high, then you don't have to give your employees as much of a raise. We'll go with this lower amount. So that's obviously incredibly frustrating. And that's what I think our strategy this year needs to be a delay. We need to interact as much as we can and prevent as much as we can, delay as much as we can while we build the tools and resources that we need to try to put ourselves in a better situation after next election. And and then we also, we have got to make sure that progressives and Democrats uphold the progressive and democratic. We have got to make sure that we remind Democratic senators that we believe in fair wages and a living wage and access to abortion and some of these things that some of these Democrats are forgetting. You bring up a good point. This is why primaries are so important. A lot of people don't understand the value and importance of primaries. And you just made the point that when primary season comes and there's multiple Democrats fighting for a seat, it's important that we educate ourselves about what their values are and what they're fighting for. And we make sure that we vote for someone that most aligns with our values, because then we do 
and can find ourselves in this predicament where, yes, we got someone with a D by their name, but they may not necessarily be voting for what we fought for. Exactly. Exactly. I love that you just made that point because that is so true. And in Nebraska, we have a tendency to be scared to primary each other. And it's almost sometimes looked at as like a derogatory thing, right? But in Nebraska, especially with the state legislature, it's a nonpartisan race. So the top two win, you know? And if you're running in the pri- primaries is when you can do that. And if you're running in the primaries and you're not attacking each other and eating each other alive so that after the primaries, you can stand together and bring each of your voter base together, then that can lead to a really healthy primary. It's when you get into the primaries where you're attacking each other and, you know, tearing each other apart that it can be more divisive. We should threaten Senator McDonald, I guess he terms out, but senators like McDonald, who's major abortion legislation, and he's openly telling us he won't vote with us, we can threaten to primary those senators and say, no, you're going to uphold the Democratic values or we're going to find a Democrat that will. Yeah, we have to hold their feet to the fire. Otherwise, they have no motive to vote with the people if the people aren't standing up and fighting for what they want. Circling back, email, call, (laughs) send a postcard. (laughs) Email, call, send a postcard, build a relationship with your senator if you can. All right, so let's end on a happy note on this time of the recording is Friday the 13th. Talk about some bills that excite you in a positive way. What bills are you looking forward to? I haven't had an opportunity to go through all of the bills, but the ones that I'm seeing right now that bring me happiness is that we do have several senators introducing pro-LGBTQ legislation. So Senator Megan Hunt, she's continuing her fight to stop discrimination from the LGBTQ community. Senator John Fredrickson, He has LB 316, which is change and eliminate provisions relating to marriage. It doesn't sound like a big deal, and it's really not outside of Nebraska. It's basically just updating the language for people getting married, using spouse instead of husband, stuff like that. Hopefully we can get that passed through. And then Senator Jen Day also has one, and that one is a constitutional amendment to remove regarding marriage from the Constitution of Nebraska. They just passed the legislation that said it could be up to states. And so if it goes up to states, then in the state of Nebraska, the Constitution of Nebraska doesn't have those protections. So Senator Jen Day's bill would change that and make sure that it was protected and and codify gay marriage into law in Nebraska. Senator Blood's got some good ones. She's got some on uh, like adopting a water quality practice act. She's got some on one she's got that I like that seems like a small thing, but I know from working with people who have been victims of domestic violence that it's actually a big thing. She's got one that kind of includes pets in with domestic violence. Like if somebody is trying to withhold your pet from you or how they do it with kids, but then other people will do it with pets. One of the things I like about Senator Burlett is that she'll catch some of these smaller things that actually do make big differences, though, for people. Yeah, you're right. She really is good at catching those little things that make a huge difference. I am so incredibly grateful she's my senator. This has been great. We are going to have a lot to unpack 
every week. We'll be breaking them down as they come up and giving more specific directions on call to actions and reviewing things that you can do to make this easy and enjoyable process. Tell the people where they can contact you, find your stuff again. Yeah, so we are on Facebook and Instagram at N-E-B-L-S-G. And then our website is www.nelegislativestudygroup.com. We try to keep as much info up there as we can. And you can actually link to our, our social media and all that on the website, too. That's awesome. If you go to our website, that links to the YouTube channel. Perfect. Awesome. And then follow, and then give us a follow on YouTube so we can get enough follows or whatever that we can personalize. All I'm one of your followers and I try to like every time to help with the algorithm. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, you guys do incredible work. Angie, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for making what sometimes feels really complicated and confusing a lot more digestible. So thank you. Thank you, audience, for taking the time to get informed. I hope our conversation has helped you understand a little bit more about how the legislative process works. Please do us a 2.5 second favor and subscribe to this pod and give us a five-star review. It helps with that magical algorithm thing so we can reach and inform more folks about what's going down in unicameral town. Join Angie and I next week as we continue to unpack the unicameral and empower you with the information and tools you need to join the fight and make your voice heard. Every voice in the fight for a more equitable, inclusive, and prosperous Nebraska matters. Thank you for joining us in this journey. Let's mobilize. Let's take action. Let's Go. Ready, set, go. Get ready to go. Let's go.